Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. All right, you're welcome back. It is our Saturday panel, our first Saturday panel of 2019. So we're going to look ahead to the new year. I'm joined in the studio by Sinead O'Carroll, news editor of the Journal.ie, Andy Lee, former world boxing champion, and Banty McEnany, current manager of the Monaghan under 20s and former inter-county manager all over the shop. Thanks for coming in. Happy New Year, one and all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Is this the year we're going to see Andy Lee back in the ring? Never. <laughs> <laughs> no. Were you a uh, were you a goal setter at the start of the year? Were you someone when you were fighting that wrote down a list yeah, of targets? Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, you always did one to win this fight or go this far or uh, get to a certain level. And now it's just get fit, you know. It <laughs> <laughs> used to be else. a given. Now it's just trying to get back in shape, yeah. Yeah. You're the January gym person like everybody else. I know, yeah. Well, I did my first run this morning. Oh, yeah? So How far did you go? A couple of miles, but a few squats, and I'm feeling those, yeah. A few squats in St. Patrick's Park this morning. <laughs> Do you like running? Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's good. It's good. Uh, I think you're more happy when it's done, isn't it? The endorphins, <laughs> and bu- you get the buzz off it, like, but I'm not, why are you doing it? It's torture. <laughs> I'm with you, Nate, and I didn't bother getting my first run yet. <laughs> maybe that could be a good goal, would it, for the year? Exactly, get, yeah. Get, get the first, first run in the belt and yeah. take it from there. Well, I, I've entered middle age, so I do yoga and play golf now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, how's your, you, you did tell us before you've uh, started your golfing career. Yeah, I got my handicap this morning, got my cards in over the winter. Oh, yeah. What yeah. you get? What handicap did he give you? 30. <sighs> Outrageous. Yeah. Highest for a woman is 36. Yeah, that's outrageous. <laughs> a handicap of 30. Bandit yeah. territory. <laughs> we'll see. Do you write down all your goals for the year? Uh, usually I do, actually. Yeah, I haven't got around to it <laughs> yet this year, so that's probably a bad start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, usually sporting-wise, but yeah, otherwise as well. Yeah. It's like we kind of in this, until Monday, it's like the new year. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like, like, to, to go back to school and things like that. It's like in this kind of weird little... Time yeah. zone, isn't it? Doesn't it doesn't start till Monday, I, I think. I was just thinking that, that the new year doesn't really start till the 10th of January yeah. because of the, you know, the middle of the, or the first of January is in the middle of this week and you're saying, oh, we'll let it late till next Monday and we'll start kick off next Monday, so. Mm. Then Monday's but, not a good day to start anything, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> start Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> you, have to get, you have to pick some day to start. <laughs> you can't keep putting it off. What are you most looking forward to in 2019, Banty? Yeah, well, uh, a couple of things. I suppose um, the... Uh, Ireland, England, uh, Six Nations game. I think it's going to be a huge occasion, especially with the rivalry there. But I suppose the Rugby World Cup. Then it's it's the expectation is really growing. Joe Smith, you know, in his last year uh, with Ireland, uh, he's built a phenomenal squad there. Mm. Uh, and on a, on a local terms, probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is Monaghan v Cavan and Breffney Park. Uh, <laughs> that local derby. It's it's an old firm derby. You know, Monaghan have played them three times. Who's Celtic and who's Rangers? Well, uh, <laughs> Cavan is Rangers. <laughs> in, in, in our case. But, uh, you know, there's been only a pint or two between Monaghan and Cavan over the last three or yeah. four championship matches. Albeit, may I add, that Monaghan won all of them. And uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be huge because, you know, Monaghan has a realistic chance of winning the Ulster Championship again. I'm sure it's one of their goals. It's 2015 since the 1-1. So, that's a, it's, I'm really looking forward to it, yeah. The Rugby World Cup, I think, is probably a, a common theme for everybody. is one of the main focuses of the year. The only shame is that it's so far away. Yeah, we were just uh, talking off air about that. That it really is two seasons. Like, yeah, they have to mm. play the Six Nations with, like, winning the Six Nations in mind. It's not about preparation for the World Cup, but that has to be playing on their minds because the November tests were about preparation for the mm. World Cup. So it it just seems like it'll 
it'll be a, a really it's going tough to be a long, thing. long run in. Yeah, isn't it? and and figuring out now, Andy. When I was saying this outside, I was saying, you know, which which games do you really want to win, and which games are you okay with losing? Because you, do you want to go into a World Cup with having not lost in a whole year, and then you're going when? Yes. It, yeah, and Andy was like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> like, but do you just think get all the, the wins under do your you belt. Think, will it take the eye off the ball slightly for the Six Nations next year's World Cup? I don't is, think. Is it the most competi- most important competition next year for the rugby? I think they have to. I think Joe Schmidt will have to go in thinking every game because when you look at it, they can't they can't lose to France at home. They can't lose to England. They can't lose to Wales. You can't lose to Scotland because they're in our group. So <laughs> you, and you know, definitely can't lose Italy. And you definitely can't lose to Italy. So, so you're going in. You have to go in with we're winning a Grand Slam mentality. It's one of the keys of what Joe Schmidt's done, though, that actually Ireland want to head into this as no matter what happens, the All Blacks will be favourites. But essentially, is the best team in the world. The people are looking around, going over the last year, Ireland have consistently beaten everybody. Yeah, I think... That there's no chink there. No, and with Joe Schmidt's team and the and the men playing on it, the World Cup's not a success unless they win it. Mm. Like, we're at a position now with an Ireland team going into a World Cup with, unless you've won it, I think we can all talk afterwards if there's a semi-final or a final that, yes, there is a success for rugby there. For, but for those men and for Joe Schmidt, the only success for them, I think, is winning it. And we haven't heard that much from them, but Larmore let that slip. You know, we, we want to win the World Cup. Um, I'd say he got into a little bit of trouble for that, but... Um, <laughs> a lot... A lot of people are going to travel over, but still, I'd imagine because it's Japan, you're talking a couple of thousand, maybe two, three thousand people go for one or two games and go for a couple of weeks. Again, probably not a huge amount are going to be able to afford to go for it's the insane full insane expensive. Six or seven. Yeah. I think someone said maybe over ten grand yeah. if you want to go for per the, person, yeah, per person for the full full thing. So again, it, it limits the amount of people. So maybe that again will ease the pressure somewhat. It's not like the last World Cup in England where you've we take over Cardiff, you take over the entire city. That you're sort of away from it a little bit. But the thing about, about pressure in rugby, like they're under pressure from, from the last five, six years to go in that well. Joe Smith has done such a phenomenal job since come in there. I think it comes with the job and they're dealing really well. He has dealt really well with the pressure of winning uh, with Ireland. And like, you know, even in the last game I was at it in the Viva there with the, the All Blacks, like it was, albeit a test, we call them, we call them challenge matches in GA. It was certainly an un an unforgettable place to be that evening. Yeah, you go I, to all the games or do you just turn up for the All Blacks matches? You know, I, turn, I, go, I go funny. This last few years I've turned, I'll tell you what I love about it and it, 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 it disappoints me about the GA where we've went the last few years is I love the physicality of it. I absolutely love the physicality that comes with rugby. The respect that comes with it. Both those things I think is, is, is phenomenal. Yeah, I think when you're talking about the pressure though, the quarterfinal, because obviously we've never won a quarterfinal in the World Cup, that quarterfinal is going to be New Zealand or South Africa. Mm. So I think th- those lads won't know pressure until they're standing, like hopefully, In like lining out for that quarterfinal because you're thinking Ireland, have, this has been our banana skin every single other year and now we're facing either the All Blacks or South Africa who are going well. So um, I think that'll be when when we'll know. From uh, Again, from a GA point of view, I'm, I'm as, a, as a big ball man, a Gaelic, uh, a football man, I'm concerned of maybe the road they're going down compared to where Hurland is going. And for me, the Hurland Championship of 2019, mm. it is going to be unbelievable. There's six or seven teams can win the All-Ireland. It's going to be probably the biggest thing in sport. It's, it's our national sport. What do you mean by that? Because I think everyone is in agreement that the more hurling we see, the better. And the last year has proven that, where not many people feel the more football we see, the better. Oh, absolutely not. That, that is the problem. It's been lopsided football with Dublin being so dominant and they'll drive for five. But we take hurling at the moment. You know, can you rule out Limerick winning the next All-Ireland? Mm. Cork, Liam Sheedy's back with Tipperary. Pressure on Sheedy, he won't like me saying that. He, you know, there's an All-Ireland in Tipperary. Galway, 
Kilkenny, we can't rule them out. It's 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 a growing sport and the physicality of it. I wish the referees would come out and in in referee Gaelic football, the referees hurl them because but in half Gaelic time football, they just they, like. I find it really difficult for referees because what's a tackle? Like if I asked you what a tackle is in football and I asked you and Nathan, you both have different answers. So it's a really big problem, especially when the players are getting bigger. So you're saying like, okay, that looked like it wasn't really fair because your man is six foot five and built, you know, and because we haven't defined the tackle, it's really difficult to referee and also kind of difficult to watch at times. And you've probably been at these conferences that the GEA holds from time to time where the referees come in and explain themselves. And I think it's been borne out from what you hear from them that when you sit the 32 inter-county managers in a room together and they play various yeah. tackles, there's yeah. very little agreement on whether it was a free, shouldn't have been a free, yellow card, red card. Yeah, well, the interpretation, it's all about interpretation. This is the problem. There's no definite... Uh, tackle, uh, as Sinead said, and I was at loads of conferences. Would where you say that the referee's chief is uh, at fault for all these? No, I, w- I, w- <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say the referee's. I wouldn't say the referee's chief is, but I, I think we get, need to get more consistency. And the only way you're going to get more consistency is get more professional and bring them on. Like my big problem with uh, with referees is uh, is how 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 we're dealing with them. Right, it should be like a football team. Your top fifteen referees referee. Mm. And if someone's not going well, he's dropped out and someone else comes in. But is and we're it, not doing that. But it's um, not really their fault that it's not consistent, right? Like we have to, like they're looking at the rules and, you know, the hand passing and the sideline kicks and all of that. But like the nub of the problem, like it, this all comes from us not knowing what a tackle is. And like tackle, yeah. if you define the tackle, then they won't, you won't need to play this possession game that it's turned into. You won't need to count the amount of hand passes because people will be able to know, well, I can, I can kick this ball because <laughs> it's safe to do so or whatever. Like, and the other major problem is they're chopping and changing at the rules. They have to bring in four or five rules there, rule changes. Every manager in the country's given out. I've talked to four or five referees, you know, three hand passes. Actually, was that a two mechanic or mechanic cup match there, where there was two or three goal chances, an opportunity for three or four goal chances with a fourth pass, and it was coughed up because the next hand pass was going to be a free out. We chop and change. You're 100 percent right, it. We haven't defined the tackle, and until we do that, we're going over fast. Yeah, well, we're just going to stay in a possession yeah. game, and the, it's not as yeah, fun. The one to thing watch. that we could have changed. So we're all look. The game has got this. This is facts. It hasn't got enjoyable to play, it hasn't got enjoyable to manage, it hasn't got enjoyable to coach because of defensive systems. And I'm a manager, if you're not doing a defensive system, then you're going to be blown out of the water. The one thing that could have brought to change the whole psychic of the game was that possibly where three players had to stay in their own half of the field yeah. at all times. Would have done away slightly with the blanket defence rather than trying to change their hand pass rule. On the other rule then, the inside mark. Yeah, not a bad rule. Not a bad rule. I was because I was looking at this, wondering like, is there a potential for teams to sort of put in a bit of a loophole whereby, say, Dublin, for example, they're not going to do it. But if you've somebody of the caliber of Dean Rock, who you play him out towards the forty-five, you get him free, gets the mark, you know he's going to put it over the bar, like that. You somehow find a way of isolating your best free taker to win the ball yeah. inside the forty-five but every I actually, time. I actually think it might bring back in the Kieran Donachies of this world. Mm you know, big man on the edge of the square. Now, if it did bring back in that, where a long ball would be in and won by an inside forward, that would be, to bring back in the kicking and catching would be, would be I actually think it is the one rule that could help the game, bring back in the, the, the big man on the edge yeah. of the square. Mark has worked and very uh, seamlessly, yes, correct, like, so correct, why not correct, try it yeah. again? Do you see anyone? Anyone beat Dublin? 
can anybody beat Dublin? No, there's no team in Ireland can beat Dublin. I think Dublin is going to get their five in a row to be the greatest team of all times in the GA history. Pat Spillane's team couldn't make it and in the 80s. He, he'd be disappointed maybe to see <laughs> Dublin win five in a row. No, I don't see it. Like, the reality where the problem, the challengers were Mayo. I think they've missed their opportunity. The challengers are Kerry. Now they're rebuilding. But the, the one team that is going to change it again is Kerry. And there lies the problem for the rest of the country. Kerry's going to dominate the next phase. They've won five minors in a row. The first Gaelic team ever to win mm. five in a row. You think that's going to translate into sustained 100%. success at senior level? 100%. Ahead of Dublin? It, it, it will. Dublin, Dublin's phase will fade out. It'll fade out in the next two years, three years. They'll definitely win five in a row. I think you're probably in the minority in feeling that. No, I think, you know, like I, I remember thinking at the All-Ireland final, actually, when they were going for three in a row, right? And Bernard Brogan was dropped for the replay. It four, three or four, Paul Flynn was dropped for the replay. And I says, this man has already won next year's All-Ireland by dropping these fellas. But when prior to that, I thought, you know, when, when he'd go, when Bernard Brogan would go, when Connolly would go, it would take a big hole in this Dublin team, but instead of that, it's better and stronger. Yeah, I didn't think that he'd win one without Jim Connolly playing, and then yeah. he goes and does it pretty easily. Dub- well, that might be one of the stories of the other months, whether we yeah. see Connolly back. Kerry has phenomenal players coming. I have managed against them at this level. I've seen them. They've actually a brilliant minor team coming next year again. They will translate it. They definitely will translate it. And the problem for the rest of the country is you're going to be dominant for the next year or two by Dublin and then you're going to be dominant by three or four years by Kerry. Yeah, I think we give football a, a bad time at the moment. And there there were decent matches last year, like Kildare Mayo in Connacht, mm. you know, it was a great game. There were some good games in the Ulster Championship. So it wasn't a completely like lopsided year in terms of, you know, there was no good games to watch. It was just when it gets to the business end, you know, there was there was no team that was going out against Dublin mm. looking like they could beat Dublin. They were going out and lining up against a team that they were terrified of. And that needs to change at the business end um, and that's for not us to have a, a good year. be a quick fix either. And, and even you think of that Mayo... Kildare game down in, in Newbridge and it turned out to be a, a great game yeah, it was as a well as a great game. atmosphere like that's one of the big problems that the football championship has that was really amplified again this year that you go to any big hurling match there's 30,000, 40,000 people there it creates a sense of occasion whereas you can count on one hand the amount of occasions in the football championship last year even the big days at Crow Park now are was at that double header for the first round of the Super 8s the day Dublin played Donegal yeah. and it was just dead yeah. there was no it, sense Park's not the is. venue for, for it, these it games it was actually yeah, we, we got that wrong I think the GA got that wrong it's the last game in the Super 8 should have been played in Crow Park the first game should have been played at provincial venues or home venues for instance if that had to be we say Dublin and Monaghan in Clonus, in the first game, that had been a huge game, huge atmosphere, 30,000 people there, compact in. Look what happened in Newbridge. I think we got that completely wrong. But to be fair, it was a learning process. It was the first year of the Super 8, so I think we need to get the first game needs to be a home venue for for whatever team. And Dublin needs to travel out of Crow Park as well. Another, another sticky one. But the reality is we only had a handful of good games in, in, in the Championship last year. And, the only, the only major sport in Ireland that's behind us at the moment is soccer. It's unwatchable, actually. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it has been unwatchable, certainly, for the past year. But I guess that's one of the things that we'll be looking forward to as well is 
the return of Mick McCarthy mm. and these European Championship qualifiers and whether he can somehow in the short space of time he has, Andy, inspire the team to get to Euro 2020 because if we're sitting here in a year's time, there's no doubt what the big story of 2020 will be if Ireland qualify for the Euros. It'll be two home games at the Aviva Stadium. Yeah, and in, well, I guess it can only get better, can't it? I, don't, <laughs> I think he's on the hiding to nothing, really. Like, you, you can't really do any worse. Um, I don't know. You like you still. I still feel a bit of grief for O'Neill, and so I know but the results weren't good, and, and the style of play wasn't good. So he kind of had to go in that way. Um, Why? Be inter- Why did I feel? Because I just liked him. I like you know. I liked him <laughs> as a manager and as a man. And I thought, I don't know. He was doing the best he could with the resources. I think the game against Denmark. I know it's a long time ago. Like, but you spent those changes at half time and took the midfield out of out of it. Just kind of put the nail in the coffin. The kind of right was on the wall after that. What are you looking forward to in 2019? Uh, from a boxing standpoint, you know, there's nothing really set in stone. And even when they are signed, the fights can never really, you know, guaranteed of happening. But it feels though 2018 was a very good year for it boxing. It was probably the best year, in, probably the best year in the history of boxing in terms of fights that happened, big fights happening, and not just happening, but living up to living up to the hype and all that. In some ways, they they went beyond the hype and uh, exceeded it. And just, I guess, seeing how the heavyweight division plays out um, with Tyson Fury, uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder and how the three of them match up. The, like, two, there should be at least two fights between the three of them this year. Um, Fury-Joshua is the big one. That's the big one this side, yeah. But obviously any, any of them fighting Wilder in America or over here is also just as big. Um, but just about, I think just about the egos come, put, putting the egos aside and, and making the fights happen. And, uh, but we'll see, it'll be interesting to Where see Where does McGregor come into your world of sport? Um, nowhere, really. <laughs> uh, he doesn't come into it. <laughs> okay. um, but um, it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. You know, it's, uh, does he go back to boxing? I don't think so. Um, you don't think he's good at it? No, I don't. Not, no, not, not to be unfair to him, but I don't think he's a boxer. He's, he's an MMA fighter and UFC fighter, and uh, they're talking about him having yeah, a rematch with that can be. But that's a tough fight again. Like you see how far away he was in the first fight. I don't know how he how he possibly levels levels that. Do you? I don't know. Yeah, I guess we will find out in the next few weeks as to what's going to happen with him and Khabib, mm-hmm. and whether there is going to be a rematch. If you were to put your life on it, then at the end of. 2019 of those three of Wilder Fury of Joshua who would be top dog I think Tyson Fury would be top dog I think he has enough he has enough shown enough in the first fight to beat Wilder he's only going to get better because he'll have a longer like he'll be further away from the break and the time off he'll be fitter more conditioned and I think I think he'd boxed Anthony Joshua all night and win an easy points decision against him right the golfing skills is huge I think Joshua's still a learning fighter He's still learning as he goes. He's still like a developing fighter. But Tyson Fury is much more accomplished and seasoned and has like good ring generalship and craft. With Irish fighting then, at the moment we've two world champions in Katie Taylor and TJ Dohany. Yeah. At the end of the year, do you expect more? Or I would expect more. This year more. Michael Conlon and Jason Quigley? Or might it even still be a little bit I too soon for them? Maybe a bit too soon for them yet. I think there's, towards the end of the year they'll be challenging I think. Um, but I think there's still big fights for Mike Conlon. He's been confirmed to fight in Madison Square Garden, St. Patrick's Day weekend. That's always a big event. And then I know I can't say too much, but there's big plans for a summer fight with, for him here in Belfast, um, which will be a huge event. 
um, against a very good opponent who people will be interested That'd in. That would be great. We haven't had something like that in a while. Yeah. And then Katie Taylor, obviously, it's just a big year for her. Mm. She's a unified champion now, but she's still kind of not struggling for credit, not credibility, but recognition from the sport in general. I think she kind of has that, but she still can take it to another level by she fights. She has uh, to get the fights. So yeah, Amanda Serrano, like it seems she's kind of putting that to the end of the year. Delphine Ponsoon, the Belgian fighter who they fought in the amateurs, she's undefeated WBC champion. That could be a very good fight for Katie. And, and, and to be honest, they're all not easily winnable fights, but they're all very winnable fights and ones which Katie would be the, a favourite going into, but it's just about getting the fights mm. and making them happen. Vincent Hogan's talking to Billy Walsh in the Irish Independent today, and actually the story of 2019 for Irish boxing may well be what happens with the amateur game. Mm. And if disaster upon disaster, they were to rule boxing out of the 2020 games in Tokyo, which would just be catastrophic for, uh, for Irish for sport. For Irish sport and then individual stories mm. like Kelly Harrington, you know, waiting to, to drop to the 60 kg, waiting to see if you can get into Tokyo. And then if it's not there, um, yeah, it would be... It would be horrific for because so much of our Olympic funding goes towards mm. you know getting medals in boxing. So many why of our is this medals. The case? Why, 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 where lies the biggest problems? Uh, with the president of the David, amateur boxing and the point, levels yeah. of corruption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how long do we, how long do we have there. <laughs> yeah. you know. there but are even a few interestingly, problems. like the World Championships this year, male World Championships are in Sochi, Russia, and um, it's been deemed in non-compliance with, with WADA because it's been held in Russia. So already they're out of line and like the big statement from uh, Rakimov, who is this guy from Uzbekistan, who's like kind of, he's an internationally known criminal. He has like ties to the mafia and all this. He's been appointed the president. And uh, so corruption wouldn't His big end of year statement was like- Wouldn't be with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, it was, it's the IOC and boxing go in advance like, if he was elected that they'd be putting their place at, yeah. at stake. Oh, it man. goes hand in hand, but you know, boxing and corruption and yeah. the solution will the probably mafia, be they're not they're not going to let the the boxing association but the the athletes will be able to go under kind of mm. what they did with well, Russia, uh, like fudge fudge it's, it's like for last year because even like the last olympics there was professional boxers at the last olympics and it didn't really work out you know it's just it's a pity oh. because it's, it's a brilliant individual sport and it's a pity they can't get it clean cleaned up even worldwide and and, and even here in ireland because there's a there's a lot of people actually sponsors don't want to go into course, to yeah, boxing because no. they don't want to be associated yeah. with it. Yeah, of course, it's the worst. Like from a corporate point of view, it's it's yeah. no goes on. Yeah. It's a pity. Yeah, and I guess listen, it's the same with every sports people. The the current boxers, it's very hard to expect them to come out and speak out about any of no, this. You can't even you're just focusing. You on saw yourself. what happened to the Irish team in Rio when the judge came out and sp that Michael Gallagher, the Irish judge, came out and spoke in the newspaper in the lead up to the Olympics, saying how corrupt it was about the judge and how he'd been approached to fix fights. And the Irish team were completely black marked and unbanned, like, and they, they yeah. affected the team going into the. Mm. Um, so they have to toe the line. Like, you, you can fight the system, but then the system is so big, you know, you don't, it doesn't doesn't serve you in the end. You still have to go into the ring, and win, it, yeah. you, the game hasn't changed. You, yeah, yeah. 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 But somebody's going to have to take a stand somewhere to change it. It'll take an alliance of like Western countries, like America, England, France, yeah. Ireland, and, and Germany, and come together and try and. And there's been some talk about it happening over the years, but they never do. Happened know. in figure skating. I'm just going to get some figure skating mentioned oh, here. Yeah? <laughs> after 2002, after the judging corruption in Salt Lake City, that they had to come together and, and change it big time, and they did. And it has. There has been no real it unfairness seen like in the going sport. Going out of the Olympics for 
to make them yeah it, it took a huge scandal they had to like just the shock of it to yeah, actually a scandal at the Olympics where someone actually is given a medal that they shouldn't have been a lot of this year as well will be focused on looking ahead to mm. Tokyo in 2020 and like one of the great successes of the last year is how many individual athletes we've had excelling at world championship events and I think people are finally coming around and realising that like 2020 already is shaping up to be possibly our best ever Olympics but for a lot of those athletes now there's suddenly a little bit of pressure there's a bit of expectation on them yeah and, and for athletics maybe it's not you know the best ever you're not talking like a huge medal haul but mm. you're probably talking more athletes in finals um, more athletes kind of taking the next steps so yeah the world championships uh, athletics championships are at Doha in, at, towards the end of the year um, September October again kind of going back to the rugby it's, it's going to be a long stretch um, but also really good to see where people are um, like we were talking about Thomas Barr the other day and obviously um, he's got the, the bronze at, at the European Championships this year he'll be going to the Worlds um, he, the, the, most of the, the best hurlers are Europeans so you're not talking about going up too, too much of a level for him see if he can get a medal and go in then to um, the Olympic year like really riding a wave of confidence I remember speaking to him after um, his race in Rio and he was kind of looking at his at his times in, in the previous year and going like I would question that time he went so fast, you know, if I was looking at it. So he brought up the, the questions before we did. And it was, he just said that that big occasion, he's just a complete big occasion sprinter. So um, I'm really excited to see what he can do now with that experience behind him coming forth. He has the medal now, a little bit of pressure might be off. See how he does in, in the 2019 World um, Championships and then go into go into an Olympic year, hopefully injury free. And yeah, that's what I love about this year. Um, when you're in between Olympics, you get to, kind of really see who who will be medal contenders or final contenders and um, probably a bit early for some of our young ones like the the under 18s mm. and the under 20s who did well well this year um it's probably a bit soon for the likes of Adelecki and but again if you get to finals if, if you get that senior experience under our belt this year we'll see we'll see how it goes um and then from the winter side you get the all the retirements from the Olympics and you get the first, you, you know, the babies coming through who's going to spend the next four years kind of working towards that So you're not just medal. a once every four year Winter Olympics, you're No, I love, I love the year after still it. still watch Ski Sunday? So I, I don't, it's more just the sports that I like, I, okay. I get into, but for that year you can really figure out, um, okay, the, the retirees are gone and now the, the new kids will come, which ones are good enough? And you'll always have a weird year where you'll have someone win a world championship who probably doesn't really deserve to be world champion, but the others have retired, the kids aren't uh, experienced enough. So it, and yeah, do you, you go out and cover the Olympics, uh, yourself? Do you be we, actually on the ground? We were there for, yeah, for Rio. Um, so, um, that was quite, quite a quiet one, yeah. moment, wasn't it? Not that much happened <laughs> we, in Rio at all. We had a drug scandal before we started, an arrest. Yeah, it was a, an interesting old few days. <laughs> You've down as well as... Uh, That's just you guys, not the sports. The <laughs> 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 uh, journalist making it up again. <laughs> uh, hopefully a better year for the Camogie Championship. Yeah, going back to the rules, I think. I was going to say, the, the one thing when the week of the Camogie final when we were doing our panel, like the physicality was the one thing that came up with every, it was three players we had on saying, like you literally cannot, you literally cannot tackle. Yeah. It's beyond the joke. Yeah, and, and the final really played out like that. And, and for people who are only coming to, to the games, because Orti obviously show the semi-finals now, but a lot of people will only see the final or they'll only see a little bit of coverage on the Sunday game. Um, and we are really at a point now, especially because ladies football as kind of the competitor in terms of participation and, and attendance, 
that they're doing so well and they have so many of the things um, fixed that the, the, the football men's don't but in the camogie we just need to get away from like, technically camogie is a non-contact sport but you mm. can't play hurling in a non-contact way and we don't we go out every day and if you went to any club or county game that's not in Crow Park you will see it played out in the way that it should be played out you'll see interesting physical games and then it gets to the final so it's been refereed totally differently I at think club it level. is yeah like when it depends. It's again an inconsistency, but there will be most of the time you go out and you're, you're playing a contact sport mm. and then you go to the finals and they do. I think that they're more refereed to the letter of the law in the final because it's the big day out, the lights, the cameras, the action is there. So people feel like they have to be completely consistent with the rule book, which obviously you should be, but it, it just ruins the game. There's so many frees and even the free that won the game There's last year tackle. was a nothing free. It was like it could have... It, it just it ruined the game. I remember leaving the the stadium just being really downbeat about the whole thing because, and I, it wasn't the referee's fault because he was doing it to the letter of the law. It wasn't the girls' fault because the, you know they they can only play the whistle and it just it ruined the spectacle. It's and a pity because it's been a phenomenal sport really for a long period. But there's no doubt ladies' football has taken the lead. Mm. And, and the physicality actually ladies f- football has developed unbelievable over the last ten, over the last seven or eight years but this is even my problem with, the, with Gaelic football the watering down the physicality of it and it's been you know uh, this is a big credit I give Cody and Sheedy and these boys they would allow no rule change for about 15 years there in the Hurland there was no physicality taken out of it in fact it got tougher to play Hurland mm. uh, uh, more manly to play Hurland but the GA managers, I believe, allowed the physicality to be taken out of the game. And like at the end of the day, no more than Camogie, you want physicality. If you haven't got physicality, you have nothing. Well, well the physicality was taken out of Gaelic football because we had so many managers who decided that winning was the most important thing. And obviously that seemed, sounds obvious, but if winning is the most important thing, kicking the ball then becomes completely dangerous. Why would you kick the ball when you can keep possession of it? Yeah. And so if winning becomes that you're... you're end game at all costs. Now, Jim Gavin has been able to do it in Dublin and still have an entertaining team. So that's his, I think, contribution yeah, to it. But it's so rare to be able to do both. Yeah, but the rule change, even bringing in the black card, when we brought in the black card, I felt it was going to be detrimental to the game because now managers were definitely going to take more men behind the ball because if you left a man isolated one on one at the back, he was liable to get a black card, your best defender. I think we have changed the rules on taking the physicality and water down the physicality of the game. Instead of, I think we need to get away from that and make it a more manly game, more physical. Like, supporters come to see physicality. Yes, they come to see lovely catches. Yes, they come to see lovely scores and fluent play. But they come to see physicality. Mm. I guess at times then physicality and tuggery is too far a word they almost get mixed up that actually like there's nothing better than a good 50-50 shoulder two players tearing into each other and probably the camogie is a good example of if you take it completely out it ruins the spectacle Mm. so you're not asking like you know we're not asking to be allowed you know shoulder each other into kingdom come but like you need to be able to tackle and touch yeah, each other you wrap know wrap a hurl around someone's neck like, that's <laughs> yeah. not what people are looking for but yeah, no but you, you just want it to be played in the, the intention of the it, game it seems and I said we had three players in here at the weekend of the hurling at the Camogie final uh, all who played in the championship all three who were in total agreement that they need to change this is there any sign of it being changed 
Um, I, I don't know the inside, the internal workings of the Camogie Association enough. Um, I would really hope so just because, and I, I don't like pitting ladies football against Camogie, but they are a competitor in that way. Like we, we do have to catch up. Um, obviously they've had TJ Cahar's support for, you know, over 10 years, which has been like integral to how they've been mm. able to grow both in participation and attendance um, and we need to do something and if that is as radical as completely changing the rules and I think it has to be because I think that final last year just if you watched it I don't think there's anybody in the sporting organisation could say that this is how we want it to play out. And what are the origins of Camogie being a non-contact sport? Well, it's as old as, you know, the Camogie Association is mm. almost as old as the GA Association. So I would just presume it's from... Yeah, because it's only even in the last few years I've realised that it was a non-contact yeah, sport. Yeah, because it's not. But I would have <laughs> thought actually that it's, it would have been sold as a non-contact sport, that if people are, are worried about their kids going into a sport and they might get hurt, if you're telling them, well, actually, this is a non-contact sport, like, I they're think, fine. I think I was playing it about 20 years when I was told it was a non-contact sport. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. That explains like, a few things. You kind of know that you don't, you're not technically allowed shoulder the same way the boys shoulder, but, you know, I've dislocated my shoulder. shoulder a few times and that's probably because I've been, you know, yeah. gotten a few shoulders over the years and it just doesn't make sense. Like, you can't play hurling and have it as a non-contact game. So, Camogie is played yeah. as a contact sport. It's only on those occasions. Fell behind on promotion wise as well. Like little has jo- is little has Araldis, which of them has joined the ladies GA like Asprahan along with TG Carr. Like they have, they have promoted the ladies football unbelievable over the last five or six years. So Camogie has fell behind. Yeah, and you can see that in the attendance of the finals. Like, and obviously they're just headline figures because it's the finals and it doesn't translate all the way down through the year. But you know, fifty thousand at a football final last year um, compared to twenty one at the Camogie. So, uh, yeah, we, it is a, a good way behind, which is a pity because the, the sport is there, the talent is there. Mm. Um, I, we do need a few more teams to be competitive. It's been two, uh, two horse race over the last few years. 15 years ago, that would have been 20,000 versus 5,000. 15 years ago see we had Wexford 15 years ago so we had huge attendances oh, when okay. Wexford were doing yeah. well because Wexford travelled to the That's team right. so these all these things come, come into it as well if if you know Wexford got back um, up if Tipperary you know have are signs of Tipperary doing well again so if, if we got all the teams competitive much like the hurling like at yeah, the right. moment in the hurling you have seven or eight teams that could possibly win it you need to get that yeah. to that level well, I'm in saying the Camogie 15 well. years ago you had 20,000 at the Camogie final you would have only had 5 or 6 or 7 at the ladies, final, ladies Gaelic football final I'm not sure about the numbers for the football but yeah for, 10, for the Camogie 10, yeah. 15 years ago yeah yeah no it's changed but the TG Cahar thing is massive like yeah. if you have you're putting on a sport week in week out on the television people are starting to get used to it they're used to what the rivalries are you know that was really interesting last year that you know Dublin had won all Ireland but never beaten Cork so that maintains mm. an interest in the final even though Dublin are going in as favourites and you know they're probably going to go into this year's as favourites but there are those stories to tell you know people will be watching Mayo very closely as well next year after everything that happened this year you know people know the stories people know the faces you know it's pe- an odd controversy to get the whole <laughs> Dublin runner doesn't it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and, Mayo and Camogie will always have that because hurlers have that it's harder to mm. promote hurling people than it is to promote footballers with the helmets and okay. you know it's generally a, a more you know less superstar sport and Camogie has that as well text in yeah always the ref's fault maybe managers should be more positive tactically and stop turning a blind eye to the off the ball stuff their teams indulge in stopping other teams Brendan from Offaly and Kerry P.S. I'm not a ref and don't know any refs. <laughs> <laughs> He's a ref. Yeah. <laughs> you know a few refs, Banty, and uh, you're always on their side, yeah? Absolutely. I'll yeah. back the referee. It's interesting to see Kerry. They're, they're the king of, uh, of physicality and, 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 and they're supposed to be pure footballers. 
anything but. I managed against them anything but. Ticked Moss O'Shea, Dar O'Shea, them boys, they were no, uh, no uh, Mona Lisa's or no, no easy touches. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we're watching uh, Manchester United are 2-0 up against Reading in the FA Cup. One of your highlights is a potential title race in the Premier League and maybe Liverpool bringing it right to the wire. It'll be interesting, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about Liverpool, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's the most exciting year for a long time, isn't it? Tottenham are kind of in it. Mm. Um, well, as a Premier League commentator, I hope to go there is a title race because for the last yeah, four years, I've spent be, the yeah. last three months of the season travelling to nothing in. games. Let's see what United do with Solskjaer at the helm and see if they can make top four and see how sorry does it Chelsea. It's an interesting year, you know, and it's, as well as the teams, as the managers and the personalities involved that kind of make it, kind of add a subplot to the whole thing, doesn't it? Yeah, know? it does. It's, it's definitely the most interesting year in a while. Mm. That's not mm. just from a Liverpool fan, that is saying. Would it not be good for, for uh, soccer, and it's not that I have any love for or have any great time of watching it. I think as bad as Gaelic is, it's quite boring to watch. But would it not be good for the game for Liverpool to win this one? Might be the person to ask there on that. Uh. <laughs> I think it would be great for the and game. You You're dead, right? To, you don't seem to think that. <laughs> I can't at all. I'm a Man United no, fan, but fan. I was actually like hoping. I was. I wasn't hoping, but I was happy. Uh, City won the other night because. Uh, but it tightens the gap for a start. It makes it competitive. Yeah, I know. Just it'll be a long, long summer listening to Liverpool fans. An article on the papers yesterday if, saying uh, that it would be a good thing for football if Liverpool won the title because of Jurgen Klopp essentially and the long wait and the passion of the supporters. Yeah. And the way they were good, They could, they they could win one. I would imagine nobody wants yeah. them to win two. If you win the league, you deserve to win it because it's played out over so many games and over so long a period, isn't it? You know, and they're really enjoyable to watch going back. Like they play, they, they, yeah, they, they play football are the really way, enjoyable yeah. to watch. That which goal is was sensational against City. You know, that equalising goal was... They have a huge support, uh, Liverpool, haven't they? A huge support, and there seems to be a big rivalry between Liverpool supporters and everybody else. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't follow, I don't follow right the now. sport at all. But <laughs> it, it, it I guess be it's very swings. quiet there. I'm just listen, I as, as you can tell from my commentary, I'm very unbiased in these situations, <laughs> as always. Uh, the Women's World Cup is on this summer as well in France. Yeah, so Ireland obviously aren't there, mm. but um, it's in France, so I think there was huge uh, interest in the last one. This one will obviously be better timing-wise. Um, a few teams, USA. Are are always going as favourites. They're wildly favourites again, but a few teams that will... Um, Have England a chance? England, France, uh, the Netherlands. Um, so there's a few teams there that, that do have a chance. Um, but yeah, USA are obviously so much more together and professional for a lot longer than everybody else in the sport. Um, but hopefully some good games because you know the, the the standard was pretty good last time. Four years later, that I think the standard will have, you know, increased a lot. Um, I was we lost to the Netherlands in our qualifying games, and um, the Netherlands wouldn't be in that top four, but they'd be that they'll do well, yeah. And the going back to physicality, that that team they were superb to watch and just the the physiques and um, how how far ahead of Ireland they were was so obvious when we were in Tala. Um, so I think yeah, it's it's always nice to have a World Cup year, and I think yeah, with the way it falls, again going back to women's sport being a little bit behind, there it's twenty four teams, so there will be I'd say a lot of uh, games. cricket scored games, yeah. Um, but hopefully we'll get through those and get some good good games at the business end. Yeah, you said the fact it's close by in France, the timings will be good, and also the fact England are going into it as one of the better teams they've got a good profile it'll be live on the BBC they're in the same group as Scotland yeah yeah there'll be a good bit of hype around it as well yeah and there, there won't be a huge amount 
of other things happening because the World World Cup is Mm. later, the World Athletics Championships are later. So yeah, we'll be kind of um, looking for, we'll be looking for something to do other than watching the Hurling Championship. Mary and Banner says Wimbledon and the Strawberries and Cream, Snooker at the Crucible, the Masters and Tiger Stroll down the 18th. I think that is my uh, wish for 2019. That's you or the texter? That's the texter, Mary and Banner. (laughs) Tiger strolling down the 18th on the Sunday at Augusta. That might be as good as it gets. Maybe. You're not convinced, Sinead. No, yeah, I haven't bought into the Tiger Woods comeback thing as being this amazing, heartwarming story. I'm just like, oh, grand. <laughs> Sorry. It's down and out. <laughs> is that just from a woman's point of view? I am the open, <laughs> though. Oh, yeah, well, uh, the biggest sporting event in this country is, yeah. possibly ever, is Royal Port Rush in July and the Open taking place up, up there. So, yeah, and we have the Irish Open at Lahinch. Hopefully Rory McIlroy turns up. Yeah, there's questions over that, isn't there? He's not hosting it this year. No, he's not hosting it. Paul McGinley is hosting it down in Lahinch this and year. And it means he'd have three competitions in a row. If he has said he wants to play the week before every major, so the Scottish Open is the week before the Open, and he doesn't want to play three weeks in a row, yeah. which would rule out the Irish Open, I still have a feeling he will play the Irish Open and not play the Scottish Open because he's got a relationship with Paul McGinley and change his plans, hopefully, because uh, it's always good to see him here. Couldn't imagine him not playing that, could you? No, I, I don't think it would be. I, I'm not sure he's overly bothered about PR, but I think just uh, you play your home open, yeah. especially after all he's done for it. Uh, I think we're done for time. Uh, John Giles is waiting patiently to come in and look back on City against Liverpool. Thanks a lot, Sinead, for coming in. Sinead O'Carroll from Thank the you. Journal, Andy Lee, and Banty McEnany. Best of luck in 2019 with the under-20s. Thank you. All-Ireland glory. Oh, please, if we could win it. We've only won maybe two or three Ulsters in, in, in 70 or 80 years, so if we could come close to one of them, we'd be going well. Ah, playing it down as always. Never leaves you. Great stuff. All right, the panel will be up on offtheball.com. Up next, we're talking to John Giles. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.